all you heroes, hawks, heralds, crows, pirates, and wardens. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we unpack, discuss, and galaxy brain about all the lore behind the Dragon Age series. We are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe, from character deep dives to exalted marches and elven gods. We will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about Dragon Age and its lore. I'm one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup, and I'm here with my other host. I'm Shelby, or SheCup. And we are here with another character deep dive. And before we announce who we are talking about, I am here to announce that we have a return guest with us, the one and only Kolka Shins. He is here to come and help talk about our topic. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I am doing really good. I am so excited to be back. Thank you all so much. I am incredibly excited for the character we're about to talk about. Right. And so last week we talked about Titans and we've kind of been doing a little bit. Everything has kind of been focused on the Deep Roads and the Dwarves, which with our episode on all of the Deep Roads creatures and then this episode on Titans. And now we're here for a character deep dive on everyone's favorite stoned character. Ogren? <laughs> right. I was like, I don't know if, if we could say that much, but yeah. <laughs> Sarah? Different kind of stoned. <laughs> Different kind of stoned. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. But we are indeed talking about the one and only Shale today, which, you know, this... This topic is really interesting for a number of reasons. First and foremost, I think that Shale is easily the most beloved DLC companion that we've ever had in Dragon Age. Um, so that makes it exciting to talk about. I also think Shale's story is just generally one of the more interesting ones, more one of the most interesting concepts for a character. So I'm pretty excited to talk about them today. Um, but before we get too deep into talking about stuff and our fun facts, I wanted to just remind you all, first of all, um, who Shale is, because if you haven't played the DLC, you may not know. So Shale is a potential party member from Origins, and Shale is a golem and can be acquired through the Stone Prisoner DLC. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing um, that we also wanted to talk about was Shale's pronouns, because this is actually a little bit more complex than I even thought it was um, before I did this research. So just I'll give you the information and then we can have some discussion about it. So um this has actually even been a topic of pretty heated discussion in the Dragon Age community. Um, and many people, many commenters, I even saw some of these comments that were still around in, um, you know, the, the ancient web pages I was digging into for researching this episode. Um, a lot of people assumed Shale was a masculine character when this DLC came out. 
Um, but that's not true. Like there's no realm of possibility where that is true. Um, but there are some important things to note. In Asunder, there is a conversation between Shale, Reese, Adrian, and Wynn, where Reese asks straight up, is Shale, are you a woman? Like, are you a female? And the line with Shale's response is this direct quote. The statue seemed almost indignant. I most certainly am not. So we also know that Shale is also not a female, according to this this line from the book. Um, but we also have a, a line from the game, in game, that Shale says, I have no gender. So there's that. That's the first thing. The second thing that I think makes it a little bit more complex is that on the other hand, the world of Thetis Encyclopedia and the game both use she, her pronouns to refer to Shale. This is because we learn through Shale's DLC that Shale was a dwarven woman before becoming a golem. So we have some conflicting information from Bioware surprise of all surprises. So what I'm kind of proposing that we will do um, in this episode is we'll either refer to Shale just by Shale's name and not use a pronoun, or um, we'll try to use they, them pronouns to refer to Shale just because I feel like um, I feel like those are two options where we can meet in the middle on this. And obviously Shale is not a person that we can just ask, hey, which would you prefer? Um, so that's what we're going to try to do to be the most respectful thing possible. Um, do you all have thoughts or opinions otherwise? I agree. I think using they them might be the best approach to it. Shale, I think infamously refers to everyone else as it. And I think they do that maybe because of their own um, lack of identity with one gender or another or any gender. Um, I want to plant a little seed here that we can probably get to down the road. Um, it would not surprise me if Shale ever does return, and as much as I hope that that is true, I, I don't know that that is likely going to happen given that uh, voice actress has since died since Dragon Age Origins. Um, and they just have such a unique voice that I don't think they would recast this character. Um, but if we do see Shale come up in other media, it would not surprise me if eventually Shale um, moves towards identifying with feminine pronouns. Um with regard to like the people who thought Shale had, you know, presented as masculine in Dragon Age Origins, that makes though you get that. They just have there are several hallmarkers to it to where I was like, oh, this is very feminine vibes to it. Yeah, I agree. And some of those vibes are like stereotypical, but like it was kind of intended to be because when you think, I don't know, just yes. But a lot of the comments I saw on some of these old forums were talking about like, oh, well, all golems are men or all golems are masculine. And I'm just like, okay, first of all, that doesn't even make sense. It's a rock. It's a rock. Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing is like, why, why are you just assuming that the default is masculine? That, okay, just, this is not 1952. 
Yeah. I think a lot of the confusion has to go with the time in which Dragon Age Origins was released and the um, Dragon Age Origins has a lot of problematic stuff when it comes to trans people or people who are not are gender non-conforming. Uh, I'm just going to say there are some very questionable names of certain sex workers you can have relations with in the Denerim brothel. That I, I think that's part of it. And probably the thing in Asunder probably has to do with the way of like trying to correct that. But I think that... Um, I think I agree with Cash that they'll probably stick with the they-them pronouns. Bioware has already kind of instituted that use there is an asari that you can talk to in mass effect andromeda who basically talks like no we're like genderless like yeah we might present female to some species but we're genderless and then there's a conversation about oh well we need to use they them pronouns for you then and there's a conversation that happens there and so bioware has already like made the step that okay we can do this so I wouldn't be surprised. I love that comparison. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's get into the fun facts. So um, during the Soldier's Peak DLC, after you finish everything and Levi Dryden has set up his shop, um, Shale, if you return, will be followed around by like a lot of birds, which if you know anything at all about Shale is hysterical. Um, and we will get into Shale's hatred of birds a little bit later in the episode. So stay tuned if you don't know what this is referring to. Also, according to the Dragon Age wiki, and they do not give a source for this next fun fact, um, but I want to tell you anyway, because I think it was interesting. So I'm curious to know what the source on this is. If anybody who's listening has worked on this page in the Dragon Age Wiki and you know what the source is, please let us know. We'd love to know. But anyway, so according to the Wiki page, they claim that Shale was originally intended to be found and recruited in the village of Redcliffe, meaning that Shale would have been a part of the base game. They should have been part of the base game. They're just so amazing. Shale is so great. And not having them in part of the base game, to me, just feels like a money grab. I said it. I stand by it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, I think most likely they probably just ran out of time and like they already have two other companions that get recruited in, in Redcliffe. No, I'm thinking of Lothering. Do we have any companions that get recruited in Redcliffe? No. So we don't. So, yeah, by the time you get there, there's no one. Um, so, you know. I think that might be fair then, but uh, you know, they also could have run out of time. There's also like tons, tons of other things that it could be going on behind the scenes that we just truly don't know anything about. And, and to your point, I think that might be a better, fairer assumption. Um, Cause Redcliffe is already a fairly big level. And I think, um, you know, all of it is gearing towards you go towards the castle, go towards the castle. And then if you if you inserted everything that's involved with recruiting Shale, 
into that, you know, that undead incursion, repelling that. That's a whole lot more. And a player might kind of be like, okay, well, I've been here for a while. I want to kind of move on. And then if you move on without going into the castle, bad things will happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair, too. Um, So my next fun fact is that Shale is significantly smaller than a regular-sized golem. Like, significantly. In the game, Shale does mention being chiseled down into a smaller size by Shale's former original owner, Wilhelm. Um, Wilhelm's a Wilhelm's wife apparently requested that he make Shale smaller so that the golem could fit through the doors of their house. That is what the wife said. Um, so interesting. Um, and then the last fun fact that I have is, as we've mentioned before in previous episodes, a dwarven inquisitor and Shale are originally from the same dwarven house, and that house is House Kadash. The um, I think it's part of the the feast day pranks package. Um, Shale's custom prank is like the the armor the armor jewels that they have. It's in the shape of a bird that just sits on their shoulder, and if you give it to Shale, you'll lose approval. I forget the bonuses that it gives you, but it's just kind of funny. That's hilarious. I didn't. Um know that because i don't usually play with that pack a ton but i i didn't put much in the notes if anything at all about the crystals whatever they're called um but that those are shale's weapons like they're not they are decorative but it like you can't equip a sword onto shale so the crystals that you can buy and collect and come in the pack and everything like that those are indeed functional as well so that is just a fun thing to know now, let's get into the general info, Shale's backstory, everything we don't necessarily know from the game, or if you don't read every codex. So, obviously, Shale is a golem and a potential companion, but you recruit Shale by going to the town of Honleith. It's a little village, and it's also Cullen Rutherford's hometown. But let's jump way, way, way back in time before the Dragon Age. So Shale is super friggin' old. Like, Shale was originally one of the war golems that was created by Paragon Caradin, who we meet in Origins. Um, and as a reminder, Caradin created golems in order to defend the dwarven territories from the Darkspawn. Now, if you are familiar with your lore, if you are a nerd like me, you'll remember that he did this during the Ancient Age. To be specific, that was minus 255 ancient, which means that Shale has been a golem for well over a thousand years. Um, That's a long time. But yeah, no, it's funny to me because I totally, totally, totally didn't even imagine that Shale would be this old. I just thought that, I don't know what I thought, um, because I guess that Nobody knows how to create more. Go- I don't remember all the lore with golems, but anyway, Shale is super old. I it was a surprise to me. Um, so that was that was a fun little tidbit. Um, I also remember reading on the wiki that, and this might not be true. Disclaimer: It's with the wiki, but that Shale was the 
only woman dwarf who volunteered for to become a golem and which might contribute to you know the the masculine perception that some people had um but regardless i i do think that that is um i, I think that's pretty cool but also i mean to austin's point earlier about dragon age not aging super well like there are, you know, there are tons of women who are part of the Legion of the Dead. You know, you've got Sigrun. You know, women are, it's, their warrior cast is not, you know, exclusively men. Um, so, I mean, the idea that only one woman dwarf would have volunteered to become a golem just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Especially in the context of the need to make golems, where it's in existential threat like the blight and not the blight part of me the dark spawns invading the deep roads yeah no i completely agree and i think we have talked about this a lot on the show before but i think this is another place another example where we can see that okay you guys have created this universe where you're saying okay sexism doesn't exist we have female queens look at all this this is awesome like they're the rulers of this world but in practice, you have let your misogyny, internalized, explicit, whatever the case may be, you have still let that bleed into this world that you've created and set up, and you're just too blind to see it. And I'm not necessarily saying like, oh, well, you know, this game should be thrown out or you as a developer should be excommunicated or anything like that. However, I just think it's important for us to be like, hey, this is not perfect, this is this is something that we could do better on and let's make this let's make this more you know accurate to the lore if it really is true that sexism doesn't exist in Thetis. And I think on that point, you know, having more women's wars have become golems. That's such a small detail to retcon to where in terms of the overall larger lore implications, it doesn't really affect anything other than moving this one out of place lore detail into a better fit with the overall idea that they've been trying to go for. <clears throat> yes, I absolutely agree. And I mean, there, there are small little things similar to this that they tweaked when the Mass Effect, Mass Effect Legendary Edition came out. So I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that some of these things could potentially be changed in the future. Well, Let's go back to the ancient age for a minute. Yes, Cash, like you were saying, Shale was, you know, one of the only female golem or was the only female that, you know, volunteered to become a golem. But before that, Shale was actually known as one of the best warriors that existed in the warrior class. And Shale was um, specifically a warrior, like a household warrior, we think of King Valtor. And so Shale was super, super, super highly regarded in their house in House Kadash. So it's it's pretty prestigious that Shale would become one of the first golems um, for Keridan. And so then when Shale does become a golem, Shale is immensely loyal to Keridan as well. And so I think one of the big personality factors of Shale is that they are loyal. Um, and I think you can maybe even say loyal to a fault. Um so I think that that's a big, 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 big part of Shale's personality and, and who they are. 
And so during this time period, when Shale is a golem and more and more Darkspawn are coming around, King Voltor, he is basically the one to ask Keridan, like, hey, we need to, we're going to use the anvil of the boy, the anvil of the void to conscript golems. And Shale is opposed to this. Shale is like, no, we, no, this, we can't do this, which we will discuss more about the anvil of the void later because apparently someone in this room has a major hot take about it. I won't give you any spoilers yet as to who, um, but just, just stay tuned after the mid break for that. Um, so it's interesting to me, Shale has all of this history, all of these things that they did back in the ancient age, but their memory does not extend this far back. Shale really only remembers the last 30 or so years. Um, so I have a theory that Wilhelm spells one of the magical things that Shale's previous owner is what messed with the memories. Um, but I know that Cash also has some thoughts. Um, so we can kind of get into it. I I am fascinated by by this question of why Shale doesn't remember. For me, I think of it in terms of like the limits of the organic mind, how much the, you know, a normal mind can remember and how much information it can store. Uh, having survived for over a thousand years, if you think of a if you think of a brain or a mind kind of like a computer, it's eventually going going to run out of space. Um and golems, you know, like we've discussed, they were originally dwarves, dwarves that volunteered for this process and a mixture of, of stone, probably some crystals and lyrium forming their bodies. But they, as far as we're aware, they retain their minds. I, I think that's a pretty safe assumption. Um, but the, I, I searched for this, I could not find out the average like lifespan uh, of a dwarf in in Thetis. Do you all have any information on that? I think that I have looked this up before, uh, maybe for one of our Dwarven episodes, but couldn't find it either. So again, if anyone out there who's listening knows, please, please let us know. So I would, I would think that it's fairly safe in the lack of specific answer. I think it's fairly safe to assume at minimum it's probably in the same ballpark as everybody else. They might live longer. If they do live longer, I wouldn't expect that to be, you know, maybe more than like 150 years at most. I feel like if it was like, oh, dwarves, they live for like 300 years. I feel like we would have heard that and that would have been pretty significant. So, I mean, if you have a dwarf, if the normal dwarven lifespan is, you know, 80 or 100 years or so, and then for somebody to retain that dwarven mind and then to to live for over a thousand years um, and recognizing, you know, there are periods of inactivity, but we're also, you know, we know that that shale is, is aware the whole time, um, you know, while they are in stasis, you know, in Hanley, but after so long of a period of time, they would eventually run into a breaking point of, I can't retain any more information than I already have right now. I need to start deleting, you know, somebody probably surely un subconsciously, I've got to start forgetting 
you know, my earliest memories to save space for my newest memories in order just to preserve my sanity. Um, and I think that, that to me makes, I really like this theory. Um, it also, unfortunately, like, as far as we're aware, golems are functionally immortal. They're, you know, they can be killed by damage, but, you know, they're not going to catch a disease. They're not going to die of old age, nothing like that. They could continue to live on forever, barring, you know, some unfortunate circumstance. Shale could continue on, but then sadly, that also envisions a future, you know, if Shale survives another couple hundred years, they might not remember the warden or anything that happened then, unless they had some way of writing it down, just to remember. But at that point, it's just, you're basically reading your own biography, which is also my theory of how Caridan remembers everything. I, I think Caridan may have just written a lot of stuff down <laughs> to remember, and then also had long periods of inactivity while he was hidden away. Um, and then it's just like, oh, this is what passed me, wrote in this little tablet right here. That's how I know what King Beltor did. Thank you. So you're saying that Caridan, uh, he has a diary. Yes, Caridan has a diary to keep track of everything that has happened over the past thousand See, years. See, that's hilarious. But I have kind of an alternate hypothesis here. Um, and of course, there's always the magic theory. So Austin, if you want to speak to the magic theory, you can. But I kind of wonder if Shale's memory loss has something to do with the fact that Shale was shut down and spent time shut down for so long so i kind of wonder if it has to do with that more than being overloaded essentially with memories i think right. that's really good too um i was gonna just chime in here because no we don't have anything in lore from dragon age of age of dwarfs but we can look to other like medias other franchises that have dwarfs to kind of give a guess. So in D&D, dwarves have a life expectancy of 350 years. In Lord of the Rings, it's 250 years. In the inheritance cycle, we're not told outright, but we know that it's several centuries. So probably roughly around that two to 300 years in there. So we could probably guess Dragon Age tends to be lower life expectancies than other fantasy series around it. And since it's a darker fantasy, then we could probably expect a lower life expectancy. I would guess we're probably right on the money of probably a max of 150 years for dwarfs. But I think with Shelby's point is really poignant and it's a point to talk about our own like memory because the mind is a muscle, meaning that you have to engage it in work for it to maintain the skill level that it happens. You know, if you are, for example, like if you play an instrument, if you really played an instrument when you were going through high school and stuff like that, and then you fell off playing that instrument in college, and then you're in adulthood, your skill level is not going to be the same. Now, memory is a little more complicated because there's in our minds there's a difference between like your short-term and your long-term memory and things that are like basically sorted for lack of a better word into your long-term memory are a lot harder to forget than something that is put into your short-term memory like the way it lays into the neurons and everything makes it harder to do that 
So I think Shelby's thing of like the fact that Shale was shut down and awareness was very limited. I think it's probably both. And I think that there are limitations to the organic mind and binding someone's memory and soul to an inanimate object is not a smooth process. And if Shale was one of the more early golems, it's possible that that was not as refined as it is with the later ones. Well, uh, two things. I, I have an amalgamation of the two theories that, that you have sparked that Austin. But first, I would just want to point out that, you know, Keridan did that he created the anvil in negative 255 ancient, and then he disappeared in negative 248 ancient. So it's only a six year period that he was actively making golems. But <clears throat> so, I mean, it, I think do I do think the show is probably one of the earlier ones, but they're just there wasn't a whole lot of time to make a lot of them. And they quickly, like in, over the course of the six year period, they ran out of volunteers. But as for an amalgamation, because I do think these two theories can be put together in terms of, like you sparked this, the short term, the long term memory. I do think, say for Keridan, everything, you know making the anvil and developing the golems for some and then ultimately being forced on the anvil himself traumatic experience all of that probably will be enshrined and put into a long-term memory i don't think that carried probably could have recalled what he was doing at any given point in like you know what's what's two ages the, the age of towers I doubt that he could remember what he was doing during that or the age uh, of storms. Um, but been then for shale, maybe that period of inactivity was itself a traumatic experience, just not being able to do anything um, for such a long period of time because they were inactive at some, like for some period of time in the deep roads. Right. Yeah. And then maybe because of that, you know, that was just so traumatic that they lost, you know, they lost, they suffered some degree of amnesia. Yeah, I think that's absolutely possible too. Um, we said this on our Titans episode that there's just so many possibilities for some of these things. And we just, we have more questions than we have answers. And I think that that this is another place where that is true. Um, but let's move on a little bit. So, Let's get into some of Shale's history, like just before. More recent. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little, a little bit. Before Shale was owned by Wilhelm the Mage, Shale was a member of the Legion of Steel, which was a dwarven army regiment that was composed entirely of golems. So that is one thing that we definitely know that Shale did post being turned into a golem before coming to Ferelden. Um, we also know that the reason why Shale kind of leaves and starts and, you know, isn't just in the deep roads with Keridan still is because he sent her away. And Keridan does this when he gets turned into a golem. And again, we're not really sure why, but we can kind of hypothesize and speculate that, like, he does that, like, Keridan's in pain. Keridan is like, I don't want to basically live anymore. And so he sends all the people, all the things away. He goes into hiding, all of that. Um, sometime after this, Shale got deactivated in one of the lost tigs. We don't know at all how this happened. Um, 
like we just don't know but that's we just know that shale was deactivated and that in 893 blessed the deactivated shale and the control rod to control said shale um, were both found by the mage wilhelm his name is wilhelm solsbacher which is quite a name um, and so Wilhelm is attempting to escape from a group of shrieks in the deep roads when he comes across shale and that's when he reactivates shale. So shale is basically asleep deactivated for some time after Caradan gets turned into a golem until the Blessed Age, which is a long time to be deactivated. I know we moved on from this topic, but another theory could be just the sheer amount of time that Shale was deactivated led to just like basically wiping the slate clean of the memories. Because that's that's a long time. I mean, Shale has been was deactivated for longer than they were like walking around as a human or as a dwarf or a golem. I think the, the fact that shale was deactivated what Keridan sent her away, sent them away and then they were deactivated. <clears throat> I think that also suggests that at some point between Keridan, <clears throat> Keridan sending them away and their deactivation at some point shale i think must have been captured by other dwarves and then what through some manner was subjected to the control through to a control rod because i don't think that keridan would have subjected them to a control rod in their initial creation and keridan himself there was no control rod because his apprentices, as far as I'm aware, they didn't know how to make one. And I, I don't think that he would have done that to shale. So, I mean, I think that just adds a little bit an element of tragedy to their story as well. Yes, I completely agree with that. Um, and I completely agree also that I don't think Keridan would have done that, especially to shale specifically. Um, but when shale gets reactivated by wilhelm they basically become not like a a person not a you know entity with a soul basically wilhelm treats shale as um something to study an object almost and so shale was um a tool also to be used and Wilhelm specifically used shale as a weapon during the Ferelden rebellion, which is an interesting tie in. Um, but it was after that war that Wilhelm moved to Hanleith and he settled down there, created his studio, whatever you want to call it. And so while they were in the village, shale was experimented on again treated almost like a pet and eventually Wilhelm deactivates shale in the center of the town and shale is then frozen as we know. Um, and we know that shale is left frozen and deactivated because Wilhelm was found dead outside of his tower in 904 dragon with shale, the deactivated shale standing frozen over his body. 
Um, there were technically no witnesses to the event, so we can't hold Shale responsible for this act. Um, but it is believed that Shale did kill him, which I think is well within their rights. Um, but in, in response to what all of the townspeople assumed was Wilhelm's death at the hands of Shale. Shale's control rod was sold to a merchant who, you know, took it far away. Shale was moved to the center of town and they did all of this in hopes that the golem would never be reactivated again. Do we have thoughts before we go to the mid break? Shale is innocent. They did not kill Wilhelm. He just dropped dead of his own accord. Maybe it was an aneurysm. We don't know. Shale's innocent. No, right. No, that's true. Like he could have absolutely died of natural causes. He could have had a heart attack or a stroke or, um, you know, anything. And Shale was just there. And all of these villagers are, villagers are just blaming Shale. And we don't know if that Shale actually did anything. They're frozen with their hands up in the air and not like in a slamming down motion. <laughs> Maybe it was just a cheer of, oh, finally he died of an aneurysm. Or, you know, you just there's so many options that could be reality here. And it is presumptuous, I think, to immediately assign <laughs> blame to Shale in this situation. But <laughs> let's go to the mid-break, and then we'll come back and tell you the rest of Shale's story. What makes your ram so special? Well, he's always brought the family luck, and his advice helped us make our fortune. Your ram offered advice. How do you get your hair to do that, Dorian? With magic. With proper hygiene and grooming. Maybe all three of you should get acquainted. Kirkwall's not brown enough for me. But hey, no darkspawn. Ferelden wasn't that brown. The dirt and muck gave it character. Well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all things with the podcast that don't have to do with the lore of Dragon Age. Uh... First here, we thank our patrons. Thank you to all of our patrons who support us and hang out with us and do all of that. We greatly appreciate that. Thank you to our first patrons, Genesis and Lisa M. Thank you to our Divine Tier patron, Kit. And thank you to our Nug King patron, Louis H. Uh, thank you to all who support us. We greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to support us and join us on the show each month, you can go to patreon.com slash DA Lorecast and you can sign up at the first enchanter tier or higher and you can come on and hang out with us on patron chats, which are a lot of fun. If you can't support us on Patreon, we totally get that. Another great way to support us is to leave us ratings and reviews. If you leave us five star review and some kind words on Apple, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. If you leave us a kind comment on Spotify and or question, if you have a question about the episode and you leave that, we will read it out and potentially answer that question on the episode there. And the last thing, you can come join us on Discord, Cups Podcasting and more. You can hang out with us there and talk about Dragon Age, talk about our other shows, hang out, share pictures of your pets. We love pictures of pets. It's a great time. And that's the middle of the show. All right. Well, let's get back into it. Have a care where your eyes linger, Alistair. Yes, well, don't worry. It's not what you think. I see. 
I was looking at your nose. And what is it about my nose that captivates you so? I was just thinking that it looks exactly like your mother's. I hate you so much. I was one of the crows you hired to kill the Grey Wardens. I thought you looked familiar. Well, I just wanted to report that I failed my mission, Logan. You don't say. I'm terribly broken up over it. Hmm. Well, thank you kindly for informing me. You fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. So we've talked about Shale's time uh, prior. We've talked a lot about Shale's memory. However, we haven't talked about what Shale was like when deactivated. So we do know that Shale was still a aware of all of their surroundings while being deactivated. And so Shale basically stays this way for several decades and is awake, but unable to move. Um, and so this is kind of where their hatred of birds comes into play. I know I teased this earlier, um, but we do have a very interesting codex entry that gives us some information about what Shale saw and experienced while being deactivated. This codex is named a note from the Hanleaf Village Council, and it says this. The council has unanimously agreed to put you in charge of the decorations for Hanleith's upcoming harvest festival. We all adored what you did with the village for the winter solstice. As usual, the statue must be adorned with items that capture the essence of the season. Iris kindly offered the use of her wide-brimmed straw hat with the berries and daisies and would love to see it on the statue. Farmer Goodman will also donate some of his baby pumpkins. We think a garland of small pumpkins and ribbons draped around the statue's shoulders would be lovely. Whatever you decide will be splendid, I'm sure, and we are all looking forward to it. Signed, Councilman Murray. I need fan art of that so bad. I'm sure that it exists, <laughs> truly. But, um, you know, yes, it's humorous. Yes, it's funny. But if you kind of dig a little bit deeper and, like, reflect on it for a second, it's really dehumanizing. Because oh, yeah. Shale, Shale is awake. Like, they remember this. And they have to go through life, like, seeing these people treating them as an inanimate object, which like, it's not the people's fault because they think that they are and they don't know any better either. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just, it, it is a tragic situation. You said that earlier. And I think that it's very accurate that shale like spends so much time having to, to live with being decorated and being pooped on by birds and, you know, kids telling stories about them, I'm sure. And it just, it would be a really objectifying experience to live like that. If I recall correctly, I'm pretty sure that Shale was, for lack of better phrasing, to a degree enjoyed hearing or knowing of the demise of the villagers in the dark spawn attack on Hanley kind of felt that I don't know that Shale would have like personally hunted everybody down, but it was kind of like, eh, they had it coming. This is kind of jumping in to kind of talk about Shale's personality a little bit, but or they very much are kind of similar to Morgan is like 
the world is harsh and going to treat you like that. Complaining about it doesn't change it. So you might as well and more and feeling sorry for those people who weren't strong enough to defend themselves is a waste of time. Shale doesn't necessarily other than birds, maybe, and Wilhelm, Shale doesn't necessarily wish people ill. They just don't care if bad things happen to people. Yeah, yeah that's accurate. <laughs> that's very accurate. And another thing I like to think about, this is a little off um, topic, but another thing I like to think about is, you know, Honleith is Cullen's hometown. Cullen was a child. I don't know exactly how old he is, but we know that he was a child in the early Dragon Age. And so you know, Cullen probably participated in some of these festivals. He probably was one of the children running around and like, you know, generally annoying Shale. So I think it's fun to think about that. I've definitely seen fan art of that and it's really cute. Um, But I wish that there was a little bit of dialogue, whether it's ambient or whatever, between um, Cullen in if you take shale to the the mage tower I would love to have seen that because like just imagine Cullen's reaction would have been hysterical um, but unfortunately to my knowledge we don't have anything like that I wonder how many people have actually tried because I don't know a single person who goes to Hanleith to get shale before they get you do that do. before you get win 100 percent. i go and get shale as soon as i leave ostagar uh, shale is okay. always in my party always in okay my party. okay okay i'm remembering this except for one point there's only one okay point that shale does not stay okay. in my party but because, <laughs> because if you take shale with you to to the to the broken circle quest in the fade when one of your companions are stuck in their nightmares shale's like the one of the easiest like you know the little break them out of the nightmare side quests because they and this is also so tragic they're just frozen again and they can't move and you just have to walk up and tell them to snap out of it and be like you can move wake up but but there is absolutely no dialogue um, between between Shale and Cullen either when you meet him when he's in his little his little holy force field prayer force field, or if you go back to the tower um, after you've already cleaned up everything else. Yeah, so that would have been fun, but that's again, you know, something that they don't always have time to do all the things that we think would make good lore interactions, and that's just. It's just the way it is. But now that we've talked about Shale's backstory, let's dive into where we see Shale throughout the games and external media and what exactly their story is like in the games. So first, we're going to go chronologically. So in the Stolen Throne, we do see Shale under the control of Wilhelm when Merrick and Loghain are meeting the main rebel camp. I am not sure if Shale is specifically named or if Shale is just referred to as like Wilhelm's Gollum. I didn't remember this. Um, it's been a while since I've read the book. So it, you know, I may be, I just maybe don't remember everything about this in the book. And I didn't go back and read it because I have a full-time job and don't have time for all that. So, um, Shale is depicted in this stolen throne 
And um, Wilhelm actually is one of the people that accompanies Merrick to visit Ferelden nobles who had previously agreed to support the Ferelden rebellion. And so they bring Shale along almost as a threat to dissuade anyone who might think about attacking them or from backing out of their commitments, which frankly, yeah, a golem is the way to go on that one. And so obviously Dragon Age Origins is where we get the bulk of Shale's appearances in game. And like we've said before, Shale comes as part of the Stone Prisoner DLC. Um, to get Shale as a companion, you first have to purchase the control rod from a merchant, and then you can take the control rod to Hanleith. And then when you arrive, you have to rescue a bunch of trapped villagers and defeat some demons. And I don't remember if there's dark, dark spawn, but you pretty much have to do a, a ton of stuff before you can actually activate Shale. Um, but when you do reactivate Shale, they join your party as a full companion, and you can do this at any time, as we've previously established. But if you activate Shale before you go to the Deep Roads, there is some extra dialogue there. So in the Deep Roads, when you encounter Keridan while Shale is with you, Keridan will reveal a lot of Shale's past, which then triggers the quest A Gollum's Memories. We'll get into that a little bit in a second, but I want to bring up first, if you side with Bronca over Keridan, meaning if you destroy the anvil, which again, we'll talk about in a minute, you will be forced to kill Shale. I have never done that because I am morally opposed but anyway, so A Golem's Memories is a fascinating quest. It's actually one of my favorite quests in all of Origins. Um, and this is the quest you receive, basically, that tells you about Shale's background. And so after you come back to the surface and talk to Shale, Shale basically remembers the location of Kadash Tig, which has been lost for years. And so y'all can go and basically try to figure out more about Shale's life and anything that um, they can remember. And so while you're there, you learn that there's actually a, a large monument um, to the registry of dwarves who first volunteered to become golems in order to fight the darkspawn. And this list includes Shale's original identity, which was the female dwarf named Shale Kadash. And Shale is spelled S-H-A-Y-L-E when referring to the dwarf Shale. And then it becomes Shale S-H-A-L-E when referring to the golem. And so I love this quest. The um, location is really beautiful for the deep roads, at least. Um, so I really like this quest and I didn't do it for a while because I didn't have the DLC at first. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really great quest. I love it a lot. This is where I planted that seed earlier that I could foresee Shale moving towards identifying with with female pronouns because shale is very um shale is astounded to find out that they were originally a dwarf um and and they ultimately want to to find out more about that um i don't know we're going to talk about asunder in a minute uh, i just want to highlight this here now that they do mention in asunder um when when and shale are traveling together part of their mission on top of all the wind stuff, they're also trying to pursue any leads or information on Shell's background and history. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, and before we move on from Origins, just quickly, if your hero of Ferelden and Shale both survive to the end of the game, Shale will appear at like your honoring ceremony thing. And if you have high enough approval, Shale will reveal that they intend to travel to to venter and the goal here is that shale wants to consult with the mages in minrathis about a possible remedy that could change them back into their original dwarven self and this is when we see when um who also basically joins in and says hey yeah i'm gonna go with shale and we're gonna we're gonna go together from here on out and even your your hero of ferelden can actually volunteer to go with shale even so to me I'm like, okay, well, this could really tie in to Dreadwolf. Um, but like we discussed earlier, I'm not sure how realistic that is since the voice actor for Shale did recently pass away. So I don't know, but it is a lore possibility. We could see a mention of Shale or maybe a codex entry or something like that where they are acknowledged. Um, and then with Asunder... Shale does appear again with Wynn. They travel to an abandoned Grey Warden outpost. We've discussed this at length. Um, they do believe that Faramon's research will um, give some insight into changing Shale back, like Cash said. So I do have a few quotes um, before we get into some hot takes. So some of my favorite lines just like funny lines from this game come from shale so one thing that shale says is what can i say i do have a heart of stone which like literally yeah okay um but this next one is actually one of my favorite quotes from origins where shale says I would appreciate it if it didn't spread around that i said anything humans might start to get the wrong idea they might start thinking that their race is not completely hopeless, <laughs> which, yeah, accurate. Well, I love them. Yeah, so funny. And then the last uh, quote that I brought is also hilarious. Um, and it says, now let us crush something soft and watch it fountain blood. That is a girlish thing to want to do. Yes. <laughs> which makes me laugh so much. Like, okay. Is it not? <laughs> yeah oh no it absolutely is like confirmed <laughs> for me at least before we get into the hot take of the day i have one conversation question and that is that when it comes to dlc companions in dragon age who join your party they seem to be almost universally hated look at sebastian and talus they both like, everyone seems to hate them. But Shale is absolutely not hated. Rather, it seems like Shale is almost a cult classic, an icon, if you will. And so I'm curious about y'all's opinions, why you think this phenomenon has kind of happened. I, I, I have an explanation. And this has to go, if you have played Bioware games since KOTOR, you know exactly why Shale is a cult classic. Because there's three companions from Bioware's major game franchises, which is KOTOR, Dragon Age, and Mass Effect. The three companions that fit this fit this profile are HK-47, Shale, 
and Javik. Yes. And it yes. And and it has to do with the fact that it is that sarcastic, borderline psychopathic commentary. And sometimes just very literal commentary that gamers just like because it's funny. I think Talus is so holier than thou at same you know, Sebastian and Talus have the same problem, except different religions. Not only does Shale funny, but Shale has a huge lore implication and lore background, which is the same that is true with HK-47 and true with Javik as well. Javik is a Prothean. We've been hearing about Protheans all throughout the Mass Effect series. Here we have a Prothean who's going to tell us all about it. We're going to gravitate towards Javik. HK-47 has was built by Revan. Sorry, spoilers for a 20-year-old game. Uh, was built by Revan and has information about Revan and Malik and the Sith and is this assassin droid. And it's interesting because there are lore implications. And I know Talos kind of gives us that Kunari side of that, but it's not in the same way. Like, the game is enriched by these three characters' presence as DLC companions. It's enriched. Whereas, like, with Sebastian and Talos, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's this. Like, what motivation do we really have to do Sebastian's side quest? Other than he pays us money to hunt down some mercenaries. I mean, that's fair. Honestly, I think that is the perfect explanation and encapsulation of all of it. The most that I was going to say is that I, I, I bought, I got Dragon Age Origins, like probably not immediately came out because I, I think my parents bought me the Ultimate Edition, just not kind of, I don't know that we realized it was the Ultimate Edition, but it, I had all the DLCs um, and I got it like before Dragon Age 2 came out. Um, OG player, what's up? Um but so it's just more of like, I've only ever, I've always had Shale in the party and I've never known Dragon Age without Shale. So it's hard for me to imagine a world without Shale, a gameplay without Shale. But I do think to Austin's point, number one, I think you're 100% right, right with regard to this almost kind of formula that just works so well. But I think, I imagine it would only be that much more enriching if there, if somebody has a playthrough without Shale and then the next one they have shale i think it's just gonna be there's so much that's teased in the normal game and then having all of that extra lore and everything else it just it's so much more enriching i definitely agree with that as the person who played without shale the first time um I absolutely agree. But let's move into the hot take that I have teased a lot in this episode is Cash has a hot take about Shale and Shale's backstory and some things that are related to that. So I'm just going to I'm just going to turn it over to you. Okay. Okay. Nobody, nobody in the discord yell at me after you all listen to this. I have frequently struggled to come up with a hot take. Um, other than, you know, Leandra just trying to do her best. Um, but the cups have informed me that this is a patently insane hot take. <clears throat> I almost always preserve the anvil of the void. I said it. You know how there's there's the meme that's like fantasy is always 
when will the dragons of old return and restore magic to the lands? Or how the fuck do we kill all these dragons? Dragon Age, as a video game franchise, leans a little bit more towards the former rather than the latter. I understand we have lots of high dragons, there are lots of dragons, but in the overall sense of like magic is dying, that that sense of decay and entropy um, within the universe, this is an old world. To me, it feels like there is there's not that much grand magic left, you know. Our laughing and all its wonders and miracles, those are gone. Taventure reached its peak, you know, a thousand years ago. The dwarven tides and the deep roads fell in the first flight or before that and were reduced to just Orzammar, Kalsharok, and recently Kalharol. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, there are a few isolated pieces that we can rediscover, you know, there's the the Temple of Mithal and the Well of Sorrows, gone, destroyed in Dragon Age Inquisition. Several Luvians, several of them are destroyed, like just just gone. Um, I'm struggling to think of other examples, but I feel like this is a recurring theme in Dragon Age. You discover something amazing, something ancient, something miraculous, something wondrous that can produce great good. And then some corruption happens and it's destroyed and it's gone. And then we have the Anvil of the Void. And in that six year period, when they, especially early on, when they were primarily, when they were only just using volunteers, they were pushing back the dark span. They were pushing back the taint. They were reclaiming lots of lost territory and deep roads and the tides. And then King Valtor comes along and it's like, I want more. I want more. Take the castles, take the political enemies, take the criminals, put them on the anvil, turn them into golems against their will. But the anvil alone and in and of itself is not inherently evil. It's not a tool of evil. It doesn't require evil to operate. And in comparison, I think of the Circulum Infinitus that we saw in Absolution, that, you know, can achieve, can achieve something wondrous. It could. In theory, we haven't yet seen it totally happen, but it could, in theory, bring somebody back from the dead. In the show, it did require, you know, several people to die and a, a lot of blood from a high dragon. Um, but, and in theory, like, it, it requires a lot of blood magic to power it. That is not the same thing for the Anvil of the Void. The Anvil of the Void, in theory, and, you know, originally it was used to rate good. It it took volunteers. It I, keep, I feel like I'm repeating myself just to stress the point because I know people disagree with me, <laughs> but it's, it is not an inherently bad thing. And for me, it feels like just another loss of something wondrous and magical and just phenomenal that it, it's lost diminishes status in my opinion so yes uh when i get to that point of deep road actually i i think there's there's a small space where you can walk into like the animal get to that far keratin and you can fast travel back to camp and you can drop shale off there and then you can fast travel back and then have that battle there and that's exactly what i do <laughs> i kill keratin and then i go back and shale's like oh did you meet keratin did you meet you know the creator of, of golems and i'm like 
No, sorry, he was totally gone. I don't know. But I did find these clues about your background. Let's go check out the Kadash Tig. Let's go do it, girl. <laughs> um, I will admit, Bronca, obviously, patently insane. Not the best person to leave the anvil with. Um, but that's our only option. I, I hate it. If I could, I would kill her 100%. And I would go back to the assembly and be like, Hey, yo, King Haramont. Oh, yeah, by the way, you're king now. I, I just decided that I have a present for you. I found you the anvil, but make me a promise. You have to send your most ethical people. And I swear to God, if you fuck this up and if you get corrupted by this, I will come back here and I will kill you. And I will kill everybody until I find somebody good enough to handle this. Now put them on the throne and then, you know, we'll move on from there. Um also, I don't think anybody can deny going into the Battle of Denerim with, you know, a handful, a fist of golems. It is pretty amazing. Um, I, I will also say I exclusively reserve my golems for, for the Archdemon fight, and it makes things go so much easier. Um, yes, that that is my hot take. I hope people don't hate me for that. Thank you. Bye. I really do appreciate the kind of different point, even though I didn't, I really disagree with this <laughs> point. But as kind of like a pushback, I have a question for you. Yes. What do you do at the end of Mass Effect 3? Um, I, this is another hot take that I know a lot of people disagree with me. I go for synthesis. And I okay. fucking hate people who say, oh, you're depriving everybody of their free will. You're depriving everybody of their free will regardless of whatever decision you make. It does not matter at that point. But also, you know, you are here. If nobody else is here, this decision comes down to you. And ultimately, in my opinion, synthesis is the best outcome. I, I know people disagree that it's robbing people of their free will. But ultimately, again, like, they still have their right. free will. You just took a choice from them, but that it's a choice that they could not have made themselves regardless. Well, at least you're consistent, Cash, because <laughs> my point was like, if you're a destroy person, I was going to argue, how is this any different mm -hmm. than the Reapers and keeping control of the Reapers? But so you're consistent. So I can props to you for being consistent. I guess Thank for you. me in this it comes down to extra steps. Of I don't slavery. have trust. I, yeah, I don't have trust that anyone in Thetis would use this properly. Mm -hmm. And that's fair. Um, Especially, and this is my thing about it. I love dwarven lore. There are. I love Varric. I love Sigrin. I love Dagna. I love Scout Harding. I love all of these dwarfs that we interact with. Their society is crap. They're never going to use it properly. And if they churn out golems, if they start taking the castless and the slaves and these people and start turning them into the golems, there isn't a thing that anyone else in Thetis is going to be able to do about it. They will have home field, home field advantage on Orzammar. They will have a force that, honestly, it... Golems can even put the hero of Ferelden, like mechanically can put you on. If you're surrounded by a bunch of golems and you're playing on Nightmare, you know, you're, it's a bad yeah. time. You've 
got to be smart about it. So this is my point about it. And I guess my other point, but if it meant preserving a history or a magical relic, would you keep the one ring? The one ring? No. It's inherently evil. Okay. Like, I would destroy the Circulum Infinitus instantly. Get rid of that thing. But my whole point is the Circulum Infinitus is using blood magic. Is not the sacrifice to create a golem not similar? I know that like we're we're brushing the line on like what is really magic, but is the print does the principle change? In my opinion, no, because it doesn't require as far as we are aware, it doesn't work it doesn't necessarily require the death of the of the volunteer. Like absent control rods they retain their individuality i think with regard to you know corruption i think keratin was not corrupted by it he was there were just other power players who i think you know outplayed him but i also think you know i do think that is a very fair question and it is very difficult this is a hot take certified but i do think it's an interesting conversation and we can tie it back to shale um because obviously shale is created through the anvil and that's why we're talking about it now but um to wrap up for the day since we've gone over as we tend to to, to do i just want to leave us with the question why do you love or hate shale and we can all kind of give our little wrap-ups i think austin hit it pretty pretty the nail on the head earlier with regard to like shale just fits this formula um that works very well with bioware but not to just not to diminish shale just down to a formula i think they they have so much tragedy to them um they've gone through so much they in in spite of all of that they retain a fantastic sense of humor, a great sense of style when it comes to incorporating gems into their body, um, but also just the the loyalty that you hit on earlier, um, and the 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 motivation and the drive to continue moving forward at unrelentlessly we're just relentlessly moving forward um i think that's just so commendable i think the combination of all of that just paints in my opinion one of the best characters in dragon age yeah i think i agree with all of that and the only thing that i'll add is like just yeah shale is hilarious it's hard to hate shale um especially when you combine this character with this very unique personality and a lot of lore behind it behind with great like balancing and game mechanics as well. So, you know, it's a character that appeals to the those of us who crave the story and the lore. And then Shale also appears to those, you know, number crunchers, those who want to, you know, do a no damage nightmare run or whatever. I don't even think that's possible, but... Yeah, no, I do agree. I, I tend to enjoy Shale. And I think the reason why I love them so much is because of genuinely just the uniqueness like they don't use a weapon they have crystals they are literally a rock you know there's just so much about shale that is unique to them and them only and obviously because it's a video game a lot of our companions tend to fall into categories or stereotypes like oh that's 
the uh, character that hates magic. Oh, that's the character that misuses magic. Oh, that's the witchy goth girlfriend character. Oh, that's the himbo. You know, so there is a tendency for these characters to fall into those stereotypes. And I love that Shale, while sassy, while they do have the quips and there is that prototype of a character, I do not feel like they are a stereotypical representation of, of any type of character. So I do appreciate that and love that. In your opinion, then, Shale rocks. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, let's move on. I'm not dignifying that with a response. So, um, Cash, do you have anything that you would like to promote or plug before we kind of wrap up this episode? As always, I only ever just want to plug the the Discord. It, the Cups have built um, in a fantastic and amazing place on the internet. It is a fantastic and great community. Um, we absolutely love new people whenever they join. Um, we always hope to continue growing it. And everybody should join um, and come hang out with us. Thanks. Thank you for being here. Well, before we go... A special thank you to our Nug King patron, Lewis H., who gets thanked at the end of every show. A thank you to all of you who listen to the Dragon Age lore cast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age lore cast. You can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's easily the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. You can find us there on patreon.com slash dragonagelorecast. The Dragon Age Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We'll see you next time. Welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi, I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at Three Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using 3CountThoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell. <laughs>